Lund, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away. Whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoy Lean. DeCam says, give me that. A pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way. Bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around. Corner, pocket, cash for Lund. It does not get much better than what we saw this past weekend across the UMAC, and we hope to have many more battles like we just saw recently once we get through the end of February. A lot of basketball will be packed in over the next month and change. Ryan alongside Wyatt, and we won't beat around the bush too much. Wyatt, I think uh, we'll just hop right in and start recapping games from this past weekend, and you and I were very privileged, I guess is the word I could use there, to be able to see a few games in person in the UMAC that uh, lived up to the hype this past weekend. Yeah, we were. Um, that kind of took away from our ability to look at the other great games that were going on in the conference. But with anything, there's some give and take. And uh, we certainly got a couple of good ones inside the Erickson Center. I also hope this isn't as good as it gets. I know you said it doesn't get much better than this. I hope it does, because if we've already peaked for our entertainment value and just these games being as good as they've been, I, the season's not going to be quite as exciting down the stretch. So I certainly hope it gets even better as we go along. Yeah, I think it will. We're not to the February frenzy yet. That's to come, and so February will be better. I uh, I would I would say that with, with a lot of confidence. So, as we did last week, we're going to merge these two kit together, excuse me, where we're going to recap what took place this past weekend, and then we're going to jump right into what is to come later on this week and do predictions and all those fun things to get you looking ahead to what will happen on Friday night, the 19th, and Saturday afternoon and evening of the 20th to come here as we look to later on this week. So lots to cover. We'll hop right in to recapping women's action from Friday night the 12th. And Wyatt, we could just start with where you and I were to begin the weekend of play. So you were in the Erickson Center. I'm just going to hand it to you and let you give any thoughts that you have on what many considered coming into the weekend to be the game of the weekend on the women's side, UW-Superior at Northwestern on Friday night. Yeah, I guess just the resiliency of Superior really stood out, being able to put up 28 in the third quarter and just the game they got from Erica Madsen too. I, I know we talked about that throughout the broadcast we know Elise Bessonen is going to get her look she's going to score and she was very efficient it was actually three of three from downtown for 20 points but Erica Madsen to put up 17 in a big game like this for her season high just a huge performance from her and to be able to overcome a halftime deficit on the road against the team that we certainly thought was the team to beat coming into this year it was just really impressive for the Yellow Jackets. So to do it on the road and for Coach Carpenter to once again beat the Eagles, they were the only team to beat them a year ago, and then to come in and uh, do it on the road, just really impressed uh, with the way they played and the way they handled themselves. For Northwestern, there were stretches in this game, Ryan, where 
kind of looked around and said, you know, where's Lexi Hagen? She only shot seven times in this game, and I understand she does a lot of other things to help this team, and they certainly have an abundance of riches, if you will, but I feel like she, in these kinds of games, whether it's Superior, Morris, North Central, whoever they play, is going to need to insert herself more and maybe be a little bit more selfish and look for her opportunities. I mean, without Allison, uh, Terry coming off the bench and scoring 17 uh, it was kind of just a lackluster game for the rest of the Eagles and give credit to superior for a lot of that. But overall um, Northwestern just kind of faded away in the second half. Hagen was contained and they couldn't really get anything else going. So uh, hats off to superior, a uh, heck of a win to get this done. And uh, yeah, to out rebound them to 30 to 18. I think that's one of the other areas of this game that really stood out to me. Yeah, I'm not going to add much. I mean, I just point to Charlotte Firstle and how much of a difference that she makes for this yeah. team. And, you know, they beat Northwestern last year, but adding her, even things that don't show up in the box score, I mean, she did have 15-7 and seven and played a good ball game in 31 minutes, but just the shots that she ta- challenges, excuse me, at the 10 as well. And, you know, the Eagles didn't take that bad care of basketball, if you will, if I can put it that way, Wyatt. You mentioned it so often throughout the broadcast. If they can limit their turnovers somewhere near the 15 or under range. They were at 15, but, I mean, you mentioned it. I've, I'm next to positive why. Lexi's last bucket was early in the second half, like just in the yeah. first few minutes of the third quarter, and she didn't score from there on out. And the Eagles were 6-22 of 22 from deep a season ago in the game. They lost to Superior at the Erickson Center. Not much better on Friday night. 5 of 18, that's good for just 28% from deep. So the numbers don't jump off on the page of being really bad for Northwestern, but you mentioned it off the top. Bessonin, you got to give her credit. Mackenzie Lesha was awesome to start the third quarter. She had three three balls in the third quarter, but the difference in this game, you said it throughout the broadcast, you said it just a few minutes ago, Erica Madsen won the ball game. She was a secondary yep. scorer, not necessarily expected, and she turned it on in the fourth when on the other side, Northwestern continued to draw up good looks out of the timeout down the stretch. Coach Call and his staff got open looks. Eagles couldn't make their open shots. Madsen made a few big ones. And a strong start to the second half propelled Superior all the way home. What a big win for the Jackets. More on them in a little bit, but a really, really tough weekend when you got to go at Northwestern and then at North Central the day following. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm glad you brought up that point about Firstal because she absolutely did impact the game and kind of takes that team to a whole new level. I mean, they were dominant a year ago, and we knew what they were capable of, but that's uh, gone up even more by adding her into the rotation. There's no question. All righty. This is totally random. Next, let's uh, go out west because regardless, we're going to do that. Let's uh, start <laughs> off in St. Boniface. It's not as far west, if you will, from the Twin Cities. What a barn burner, Wyatt. Crown and Martin Luther. We talked last week about how we thought this was going to be a close ball game. It ended up not being as close as this game was with a seven, excuse me, nine point margin rather for Martin Luther, but they pulled away in overtime. This was a fantastic ball game and one of a few heartbreakers for Crown College over the weekend in their home building at the WAC. How about Martin Luther, though, Wyatt, finding a way to put up 80 points on the road and to do it without a big game from Heckendorf wasn't bad played more minutes than anyone on the team at 42 got 10 and 8 but there were two other players who had career nights for the Knights yeah are they still your Knights do you still claim that title people can put whatever they want on that uh as far as well, my did you take, relation did with you them ta- 
Did you take Crown or Martin Luther in this? I one? took I took Martin Luther in this one, so I'll um I'll be I'll be happy for that one and um say that's one that I was sticking with my knights and I said I wasn't going to give up on them and I didn't and they came through in overtime. So job well done. Yeah, no, like you said, I mean, Lauren Paulson and Lydia Fight both had huge days um, combining for 48, and then just the efficiency. They were 30 of 68 from the field as a team, um, did an okay job of taking care of the basketball, and then, of course, they won the rebounding margin as well by 10. So uh, another example we talked about with Superior, just the resiliency and being able to overcome a halftime deficit on the road. Likewise, the Knights did the exact same thing. Took overtime to get it done, but... Uh, able to run away with it in overtime. And then looking at crown side, Ryan, I mean, this is not a uh, misprint. Mackenzie Latsky, one of 13 from deep and two of 17 from the field. I mean, it's amazing that crown was even in this game uh, and could force it to overtime when she shoots two of 17. I mean, that's that's incredible. You read my mind, Wyatt. I mean, that's the first thing I thought when I saw this box score late Friday night is how did they even get this game to overtime when Latsky had such a poor performance shooting the basketball. But Maya Morris, someone that they added just that semester, was able to pick up the load a bit and knock down five big threes for them. And hurts for a crown team that feels like they're still trying to piece it together early on this season. But again, all credit to MLC. Well, and Isabella Sager should give her a shout-out as well, going for that double-double, 18 points, 11 boards, and then uh, Maya Morris, their transfer that they got in at the semester, went for 19. So other girls stepped up, and they did what they could. But, yeah, I mean, if you're giving up 80 to the Knights and you're surrendering a halftime lead, just uh, not not a recipe for success. And this was a big game for both teams, and uh, one that Crown is certainly going to look back on uh, at the end of the year, depending on if they sneak into the playoffs or not. Alrighty, last but not least, one more matchup on Friday night in the UMAC. We'll go further out west to Jim Grimmel's court. It was the home opener in UMAC play for the Minnesota Morris Cougars. Slow start, Wyatt, for Morris, but especially in the second half. Man, oh man, did they ever turn the dial and turn things up when they needed to. I want to know what Coach Tim Grove said in the locker room as they were sitting at the halftime break. They're down seven after the first quarter, bounce back some in the second quarter, but in this ball game, Wyatt Morris on their home floor, they knew it was going to be a tough game. Don't get me wrong, but they were down by four. And then in the second half, they absolutely dominated Bethany holding them to 19 points total in the second half of play. And you got to give a shout out to your player who you've been waiting for to have a breakout in UMAC play. What a performance it was Wyatt from the freshman to allow Morris to pull away. Yeah, absolutely. 9 of 18 from the field, 7 of 8 at the line, just extremely efficient, grabbing some boards, some assists, and then the four steals as well, getting hands in uh, passing lanes, and then Jay Quate doing her thing as well defensively with five steals. So Morris creating enough havoc in this game on the defensive side of the ball to eventually run away with it and kind of, you know, cruise in this one and win comfortably. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, Bethany's up 19 to 12 at the end of the first, and I believe we were looking at this one, Ryan, and we were like, wow, because they started earlier than the Northwestern um, Superior game. I don't remember Correct. why, do you? I, I can't remember why that was. but I think it may have been somewhat weather-related with what was going on throughout you know, multiple parts of sure. the Midwest, and so Morris made the decision to bump uh, a couple games up. But, yeah, I mean, one of the first things why I always look at when we're looking at Morris ball games is the turnover category. You say, yeah. ah, Cougars didn't take great care of the basketball. But do you see how many times Bethany yeah. turned the basketball over? Yeah, 30 times. I mean, 
I don't even really know what else to say other than that just will not get it done. You have to be able to take care of the ball. Out of everybody they played, um, everybody had a turnover except for Fernandez off the bench, and she only played five minutes. So everybody was given the basketball up in this one. And, uh, yeah, they'd like to have a few of those possessions back. But, yeah, hats off to Morris and Maddie Grove for 26. I certainly appreciate that. And if they want to have success and win games later into conference season, she is going to have to be the motor of this team, and she's going to have to lead the way scoring. They certainly have others that can do it as well. But you do just get the sense that she's going to have to play at a high level and, you know, score the basketball if they're going to win, win a lot of games. All right, on to Saturday. We'll talk about all these teams a little bit more. Worth noting once more, there's only three games on Friday, not four, because Northland at North Central did not happen. Northland College dealing with a few things within their women's basketball program, unable to play this weekend. So instead of the traditional eight games that we'd have over a weekend, we have just six, as Northland was not able to play North Central on Friday. And then on Saturday, Northland unable to play Northwestern. So both Northwestern and North Central only play one game over the weekend. When we look at Saturday, let's start, Wyatt, with those North Central University Rams playing in what you could argue was the game of the day. I mean, we had you know some close ball games, I should say, but you could argue it was the game of the day when you looked at the matchups going into Saturday across the UMAC on the women's side. Superior coming off of such an emotional high. You beat Northwestern again on their home floor. You're the lone remaining unbeaten at 4-0 in UMAC play. But this is an interesting spot, Wyatt, because North Central, you can guarantee Coach Zabla and her staff had their feet up and they were watching on the Eagles Sports Network what was going on with Northwestern and Superior. Do you feel like North Central had some kind of an advantage going into this ballgame against Superior coming into their building? And now it is worth noting the Jackets in this ballgame didn't have a sluggish start and couldn't score. In fact, at recess, they were up in this ballgame by seven, and then it changed big time in the second half. But what is your thoughts just before even looking at anything else? Did North Central have some kind of an advantage coming in? Yeah, I mean, it certainly can look that way when you look at the final score and you see the big second half from North Central because they had the opportunity to just kind of sit out the night before and get ready to go for this one, and obviously – the Yellow Jackets had to take on Northwestern on the road, which is not an easy task. It's probably the hardest back-to-back as far as a road stretch goes on the women's side of the conference. In fact, it is. I don't know why I would say probably. It just flat out is to have to take on Northwestern and North Central. So, I mean, all things considered, to get a split, you're feeling pretty good. But, yeah, only scoring 18 points in the final 20 minutes of this one. You just wonder if the legs got tired. And then looking at Charlotte Furstel, only 24 minutes because she had four fouls in this game. She still put up 14-8, and eight, but... The North Central bigs were able to kind of get going, it looks like, inside as well because of this. 16 for Vanderplug, 14 for Hoyla. Caitlin Ryan, their leading scorer, goes for 16 in this one. So you wonder if that concern of foul issue and the fact that Fursal could only go 24 minutes and just the reality that the Rams maybe have a bigger and better presence inside was able to give them an advantage in this one. Matchup-wise, I think they just matched up well with Superior and they were able to get it done. So hats off to the Rams. And as far as Superior goes, you... Don't want to make excuses for yourself, but you certainly do have to question if playing Northwestern the night before while North Central got to watch did have an impact in this one. Yeah, lots of great stuff there, Wyatt. I just want to note Elise Besson and what she did against the Eagles. She only leaves the floor for one minute, 39 minutes, okay? I mean, we talked to Coach Carpenter a few months ago about the warrior that she is and the fact that Coach Carpenter really doesn't feel like she can pull her 
off the floor a heck of a lot, and there's a reason why she doesn't come off. But 20 points Friday night, 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 3 from deep. Okay, against North Central on Saturday, what? She does not leave the floor, period. 40 minutes. Yeah, she scores 15, but she has to take 18 shots to do it. 5 of 18, just one three ball at 1 of 5 in this ball game. Excellent job by North Central against Bessonen, and then the secondary help just was not there as much as it was against the Eagles, where Madsen and Lesha were in double figures. They're held to just nine points combined in this ballgame, and give a ton of credit to North Central. This is another one where I'd love to know what did Coach Zabla and her staff say at halftime. Maybe they did say, hey, Superior's going to lose their legs in the second half. They cannot run with us for a full 40 minutes. Trust the process. We're eventually going to find a way to pull away, and Clearly, that's what happened for the Rams. And I tell you what, Wyatt, people at Northwestern are giving a big thank you to NCU because they threw them a bone big time. And Morris, the same as well, with Superior starting off 4-0. and It made it a lot more interesting as we look forward now that they're 4-1 and instead of 5-0 and through the opening five. Yeah, the standings are fascinating because Superior has played Morris, North Central, and Northwestern now. So imagine if they were 5-0 and and had a two-game lead over all of them uh it just uh, it would have been i guess they'd only have the one game lead over morris but they'd have the tiebreaker so it's like a two-game lead at this stage of the season so that win really does give us a little bit of parity and you know i'm looking at five different teams right now that all easily could make the playoffs it's going to be fascinating to see how it shapes out and i'm sure we both would agree ryan i won't speak for you but i'll let you answer this what Elise Bessonen is doing, is it attainable throughout the course of a season to play 39, 40 minutes day in and day out, especially on these back-to-backs, or is she going to need more rest? Because late in the season, you have to imagine that is going to play a role and take a toll on her, and you probably want her as fresh as possible come postseason tournament time. Yeah, it's a great question, Wyatt. And I mean, looking at these two matchups, like you just stated a few minutes ago, it's the toughest back-to-back that you will have all season long. So I think Coach Carpenter and her staff are saying, you know what, we hope we're never in a spot again the rest of this season, other than, you know, maybe when North Central and Northwestern come to the Mertz out in Superior Mm -hmm. next month. But we're never in a spot like this again where we're playing two so high-quality of of opponents that Bessina needs to play 79 of 80 possible minutes in a weekend. So... Maybe in some upcoming matchups that aren't against those two, she can get a little more breathing room. Yeah, it's a fair point because these games are big enough to say we're going to play you basically the entirety of the game. But then, like you said, if you take on a team that's maybe towards the bottom of the standings, maybe you can get her more rest. That's a good point. All righty. Now we will move on to another matchup that took place this past weekend because obviously that's what we're doing right now. If you can't tell why, I'm buying time here because I well, lost there's only my two tab more where I'm at. To choose from yeah. because of the you know Northland situation. So you either got the Morris and Martin Luther game or the Crown and Bethany game, which was incredible. Well, let's go there because you mentioned it last. Why was it incredible, Why well, Crown I'm hosting like, Bethany. I want I want you to walk us through what happened because we obviously had a game to call. And the next time we checked at halftime of that game, we saw that this game had gone to overtime and we thought the game was over at the end of regulation. So what was going through your mind looking at that box score and seeing that it went to overtime and that Bethany had won? Yeah. So back-to-back overtime games at the WAC, Wyatt, what did we say last week? We told everyone, Not just for the men's game, yeah, but pack the whack because of the games that were going to take place for Coach Tussler's club and Coach Herbert's clubs. Bethany, Crown, to go alongside 
Crown and Martin Luther for the Friday-Saturday action they had. I mean, we warned you. So if you didn't make it out there, sorry, not sorry. Like we told you, there was going to be some great basketball, and it lived up to the hype on both Friday and Saturday. So that being said, end of regulation. There's 17 seconds left. White Crown has a 75-71 lead, okay? Bethany goes the other way. Give him credit. Gets a quick bucket to cut it to 75-73. Then here's the big part. They got it to Latsky again, but she made just one of two free throws. There's six seconds left. Bethany finds a way to drill a heave from 23 feet to send it into overtime, and then they win the ball game in overtime, outscoring Crown 8-3. to And so, you know, all the credit in the world to Bethany after they turned it over 30 times, which, again, that's just bonkers, against Morris. Give credit to their defense on Friday night. Take a little better care of the basketball, turn it over 20 times against the Polars in an overtime contest. But obviously, I mean, the hero in this ballgame, Wyatt, huge shout-out to Kaylee Hunter for knocking yeah. down that heave at the end of regulation to give them a chance in overtime where they would win. She comes off the bench. She plays near 30 minutes in the game. She only had eight points, but obviously that triple, one of the biggest buckets in her collegiate career, if not the biggest bucket. But, Wyatt, a player on your squad, speaking of coming off the bench, Lexis Trigg. My oh my, yeah. 24 and 9, 18 field goal attempts in just 25 minutes of play for her. On one side, Coach Perfest, absolute elation. You stay very much in the thick of the conversation at the top half of the UMAC. On the other side, utter devastation. What do you think Coach Tussler was feeling late Saturday night after two gut punch overtime losses at home at the WAC? Yeah, I can't imagine it was anything too good. And the question everybody has to ask themselves now is, can Crown overcome this? Because they just had two heartbreakers where if they're able to get both of those, let's say, all of a sudden they have a winning record in conference play, they're sitting where Bethany is at 3-2, and two, and that changes everything and the outlook on the season versus 1-4 and four because you drop both of them. I mean, it's a game of inches, and unfortunately for Crown, they couldn't get either of these... Um, they just went cold in overtime. I mean, three points in five minutes of uh, extra ball just isn't going to get it done, and it wasn't an issue of turnovers in this game. They actually won the turnover battle, but again, they just didn't make enough shots in this one, and uh, that's that's going to sit with them, and they got to somehow regroup for this upcoming weekend, but you do wonder if Crown maybe is sunk now because of the way these games turned out. And then just one quick note on Lexus Trigg and Kaylee Hunter because you mentioned they both come off the bench. It's a great, great analogy for anybody who's a player that's listening or for coaches. Just because you don't start doesn't mean you can't be in at the end of the game and make an impact. Both of them with a, a huge impact in this game, playing a ton of minutes, and then, of course, Hunter hitting the three at the buzzer. So, uh, yeah, just because you don't start doesn't mean you can't have a big role, and we saw that uh, this weekend. For Trigg in both games, I mean, she had two monster games, and, uh, yeah, just just – Huge for Bethany to to get to three and two. Last but not least, we will go a little further west for what was the final matchup, I guess you could say, last one that we're recapping from this past weekend. Martin Luther coming off of a huge overtime win. Ain't St. Bonnie has to make the trip out to Morris. The Cougars waiting after they beat Bethany Lutheran on Friday night. And White, it feels like this is kind of one that we've been waiting for for Morris, where not only they score 70 plus, we know they're generated by their defense more times than not that team is going to win because of their defense but getting multiple players to hit if you will offensively 
in the same night. Didn't see much from Jaden Sandrell on Friday night in their win. She puts up 17, huge performance for the senior, four triples. That's what she does. Quate, her fellow super senior, also with 17. Maddie Grove didn't have the explosion that she had Friday night against Bethany, but she still gets into double figures with 10. And then you got someone like Claire Stark off the bench getting 12 points also. So for Coach Grove's club, Wyatt, to not only win, but to get four different players in double figures it feels like that's the kind of performance they're going to need down the stretch this year if they're playing a North Central, Northwestern, Superior, we're in the UMAC tournament for them to win. It can't just be Maddie Grove puts up big numbers and then hopefully they can hold down the other squad enough. No, more likely than not, they're going to have to score upper 60s, if not 70-plus, to win those types of games. And that's a recipe that can work for them moving forward like we saw Saturday out in Morris. How much do you think Coach Grove is going to miss Jay Quate when she eventually does move on? A lot, as is the whole I Minnesota mean, Morris Athletic <laughs> Department because she plays soccer as well. Yeah, I, I, she does everything and uh, was able to show she's more than just defense in this one. So goes for 17. Good to see that if you're a Cougar fan. Hats off to Martin Luther for keeping this uh, as close as they did and fighting back in the fourth. And, you know, obviously the game was already kind of out of reach down 17, but they continued to fight and push and made it somewhat interesting down the stretch. And, uh, yeah, good, good weekend of basketball for the Knights. Nothing to be ashamed of. And for Morris, just continuing to kind of trend steadily in the right direction, which we've seen year after year with them. So that's really all I got to say about that one. Yeah, they put themselves in a spot, Wyatt, once more where, you know, I don't want to say this in a mean way, like overlooking them, but it's like, oh, they're just four and one again. They've won four out of their yeah. bat, out of their five, excuse me, first UMAC games, and it feels like they maybe still haven't shown their best basketball yet, but they're right there tied with Superior and uh, have everything in front of them for the rest of the season. Well, they're, they're the kind of team that always just takes care of business, right, against the teams they're supposed to beat. Like, I don't yeah. think Morris ever really has bad conference losses at any point. So it's a good point. It's, it says a lot about them and their program, and it always positions them nicely. All righty. That is a weekend on the woman's side of the coin. If we want to run down predictions real quick, Wyatt uh, took me to the cleaners and predictions over the weekend. But uh, he actually on well, Friday went one and two on the woman's side. I went two and one. And then he returned the favor on Saturday on the men's side is where I really lost some ground. We'll get to that later. But on Saturday, Wyatt, you went two and one. I went one and two where it was gonna be big. I'm not gonna lie. I said Crown's gonna lose Friday night, win Saturday. Not a lot of people understood that one. They were oh so close. I stand by all my picks. They didn't work out, but uh and then both you and I on Saturday got superior Ron losing to North Central. Any thoughts from yourself on the weekend that was on the woman's side where you went three and three in predictions? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously some results I didn't expect going three for three, but overall a really good, solid weekend where we saw the top teams on display against each other and then uh, some good fight from some of the other teams and just, yeah, really good weekend all around. It makes it very compelling moving forward and uh, what looks to at least be a full slate this upcoming weekend. And, you know, as of now, that's what we're going to assume it is, but I guess you never know, so... Real quickly, too, uh, you had a great weekend in fantasy. I still have a small margin lead, but I don't know if you want to give any shout-outs or whatnot to your club, Wyatt, because uh, Saturday you, you dominated. I had a slim margin on Friday night, but Saturday you took it to me, your fantasy players, stepping up a bit. Yeah, I mean, like we talked about, Alexis Trigg was huge, uh, Hoyla was huge, and then 
You also didn't get an opportunity, though, with a couple of your players. And Half Allison my team. Terry and Lexi Hagen and Grace Lambic. So how close am I really when, when you look at it? I understand I've maybe clawed back, but in reality, I'm still a long ways off. And you're only three back in predictions, two overall. So it's not like I took you to the cleaners and you're out of this. I mean, you're really On right the there. Yeah. In, yeah. In the grand scheme of things overall, you're still more than alive and well. I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm not giving up. I'm not. I'm not waving the white flag. But it, it's more of a conversation in a few different realms, like in uh, fantasy, and we'll talk about the men's here a little bit later. Any other thoughts, White, on the women's side? I mean, when you look at the standings, we've mentioned it before. I mean, you got Superior and Morris both at four and one. North Central three and one. Bethany three and two. Northwestern, the defending conference champs, at two and two again. I mean, this looks a lot different if Superior goes on to beat North Central as well and finishes a fantastic weekend. But you know, feels like it's so up for grabs in that order of the top five could change around any which way. And then to finish out, you got Martin Luther and Crown at one and four and Northland at 0 and three. Yeah, I don't have anything else really to add or say. It's certainly becoming very interesting. Like I said, you kind of got five teams right now. It feels like fighting for four spots and that could change. But as of right now, that's that's the way it is. And it'll be really interesting to see uh, who ends up claiming those. Right now, is Superior the best team in the conference? Or can you not definitively say yes or no on that? Well, I, I'm just so puzzled at how they can win on the road at Northwestern and then North Central, who got beat by like 40 to the Eagles, yep. <laughs> takes care of them. It doesn't make any sense. But, again, maybe it's more of a matchups thing. I kind of touched on that yep. when we were going over that game. North Central matches up well with Superior. Uh, Northwestern maybe doesn't as much. Yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting. I guess if you had to ask me who the best team was, I still think when they play their best, Northwestern is the best team in this conference. I just I don't think they've gotten there. So That's fair. Even though they're 2-2, two and two, still lots of basketball left. It will be compelling. I will stop asking you questions. Okay. We can move on to the men's side, and you are going to pick the games first this time that we are going to run through. Well, let's do Crown and Martin Luther first because there's not a ton to talk about here because Crown just, you know, took care of business, got to 4-0, just really efficient from the field, not from three, which is a little concerning when you only shoot five of 27. They didn't need it in this game, but otherwise they shot well in the paint and uh, from two. So, yeah, good win for Crown. Good start to their weekend at the WAC. Buckner led the way with 19, Carroll with 15, and 17 boards, Ryan. I don't know if you saw that or not, but... That's incredible, and uh, him and Buckner going for double-doubles. Masik with one rebound away from a double-double himself. Kind of the big three in this one for them. Anything you want to add on this one, whether it was from the Knights, from Crown, it was really uh, just a good chance for Crown after a close first half to eventually blow this one open and maybe get prepared for their showdown with Bethany. Yeah, I mean, good effort from MLC in the opening half, and I don't know what happened in the locker room other than Coach Herbert finding a way to flip the switch for his club and say, boys, you got to look better in the second half, and they did, doubled them up because this was a great ball game after 20 minutes, and then it looked totally different in the second half. Do you think they were looking ahead at all? I know we talked Maybe. about that. We yeah. talked about that leading up and previewing. I mean, it is a real thing, and you do have to wonder if that maybe took place. Not taking anything away from the Knights, but... Yep. No, it's it's hard to say that that maybe wasn't a factor. But, yeah, you and I were calling another game, so we didn't get to watch this one. So, Yeah, which is, you know, it, it is what it is. Like I said, it's a double-edged sword because we get to be in the building and watching teams play. But at the same time, we can't really keep our eye on anything else that's happening. So, 
Uh, North Central and Northland. Let's do that one next. Uh, 63 points in the second half. 53 that, for Northland. Yep. I mean, what happened? All of a sudden, the defense has decided not to show up out of the break. I, I never would have guessed North Central's offense was going to be putting up 99 points, Ryan. So, I mean, hats off to them and Coach Becker for putting together a good offensive game plan, knocking down shots. I'm sure Coach Becker would tell you, you look good as a coach when your guys make shots. So he probably is thinking, hey, they just made shots, and that's that's the biggest difference. But really balanced effort, really solid performance, and uh, another good win for the Rams in this one. And obviously we got a chance to see Northland in action this weekend when they took on Northwestern. So we'll maybe touch on them a little bit in that game more so. But again, this is a team that has a couple of guys at the guard position and that's about it. If they're not feeling it and if they don't produce Ryan, just really feels like this team has a tough time getting anything going offensively. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't say it better. They don't get much from their post out at Northland, unfortunately. And as you said, I mean, I did not expect this at all this year from North Central. I'll be honest that they're a team capable of being on TDW watch. But Deshaun Simpson, shout out to him, 25-11. and 11. And then you got four other guys in double figures, Wedgworth, Brown, Cornea, and then the McNeil Twins. Impressive. I mean, with a squad that had some question marks coming in, your senior captain, Holtman, only puts up three points, yet you find a way to hit 99. Well done. All right, with that one, we can either go, well, both these games were fantastic. Let's talk about the one we were at last. So let's do the Bethany Morris game that ended up coming right down to the final minute. 76-71, Bethany gets the win. They move to 4-0, Morris falls to 2-2. And one of the biggest things right away, Ryan, is that Drew Sagadal was back in the lineup. Didn't start but came off the bench and immediately contributes 13 points, five guys in double figures. This is Bethany basketball, extremely balanced, finding different ways to hurt you and beat you. By the way, Nielsen wasn't even in double figures. So they have five guys go for 10 or more, and he's not one of them. Anything that sticks out in this one to you, whether it's on the Morris side, the Bethany side, obviously Paul Dack is, you know, that guy, and he continues to perform night in and night out, but does he need some help? Does he need more from his teammates? I mean, what's your analysis of this game? Lots of good questions. Uh, first off, yes, Paul is that guy. Uh, he does need more from his teammates, though, I would agree. And it's a game where they just would not go away. I mean, they're down by 10 with just under seven minutes to go, and they, they chip away at it, and they make this thing interesting within five, not too much later after that. And ultimately not enough um, but if you'd say going into this ball game wide okay Bethany with 10 minutes to go is going to be up 13 you're thinking okay Morris may just go quietly into the night I know they're at home but it's really tough to beat Bethany so far this season and then you add a guy like Sagadol who hasn't played since the 11th of November and he's adding 13 points off the bench in just 18 minutes of play how do you hold this offense down so first things first credit to Morris who played in a really defensive game that People, including myself, didn't expect last weekend at Crown, another game where you had said even, Wyatt, if I'm a Morris fan, I'm actually really encouraged even though they lost the game against Crown yeah. with how they're able to hold down that offense. Felt similar in this ball game as well. No, they don't win, but you hold Bethany to 37% from the field, 33% from deep, and you know you find a way to battle on the glass where you are plus 10 on the boards. And they need more than Paul Dak. Maybe it's as simple as that. I mean, my guy, Kenny Placide, has 9-7. and seven. He can do a little more. He knows he needs a little more for this club. And we're going to talk about what they did on Saturday because they were shooting the lights out quite literally, actually, at Jim Gremmel's court in that ballgame. Well, 
And speaking of that, look at what they shot against Bethany from three. Eight of 27. You would, ima- you would imagine they're going to be thinking about that and a couple yep. of looks that they probably had that they could have knocked down. So I'm sure that one probably stings a little bit. Yeah, and I got to say, Wyatt, I mean, it, it shows that on Sagadal, our speculation was speculation, but it wasn't totally reckless. I mean, you just had a feeling he was going to come back at some point and how huge for this club to add him into the mix. But my question for you would be, do you envision him coming into the starting lineup at some point, especially with how good he was down the stretch last year? I mean, I think you and I would agree he was in at least the top three, top four conversation for player of the year. Will Sagadal on the Bethany side find his way into the starting lineup by next month, maybe later on in February? Or do you feel like if Nielsen, Madsen, Ackley, Bangu, and Patterson continue to play well, there's no reason to force Sagadal in the starting lineup just for the sake of doing it? That's a great question, and it's fascinating because he was kind of faced, and that's uh, Coach Garvin I'm talking about, with this situation a year ago where he had a transfer come in at the middle of the semester, and he even told us when we interviewed him he probably could have been involved in getting some minutes, but he decided to roll with the guys he had. Is this a similar case where he's going to roll with his starting five for the time being, and as long as they keep winning, Sagadal just keeps coming off the bench? We already talked about it on the women's side. Just because you don't start doesn't mean you can't be in the, at the end of the game and impact it that way. So I, I don't know. I think for now you roll with the guys you've been starting. You bring Sagadal off the bench. But, again, there's no right or wrong answer here. I mean, you just you got another stud back into your lineup, and you just roll with the lineup that's working on that particular day. You know what I mean? There's, there's several of them that probably work. And, yeah, it's, it's a good problem to have in short. Yeah, if he continues to stay on the bench for weeks moving forward, I mean, you can say he's one of the best sixth man in the UMAC, and not just this year, but in recent memory. (laughs) We gave that title to Carter Bainey, and I'm sorry, Carter, but if Sagadal is coming (laughs) off the bench, I think he takes that spot as the sixth man of the year, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add other than it sounds weird. I mean, we're Morris. You can be discouraged, but you're also encouraged at the same time with how your club is playing against some of the league's best and giving yourself a chance to win, and you just got to make a few shots and get some help for Paul Deck. Yeah, by the way, he was uh, Conference Player of the Week again, 25 and a half in the two games. That's what he averaged, so another good week for Paul Deck, and hats off to him for the way he's been playing lately. Then we got the Superior Northwestern game, and I know you have thoughts on this one. You were in the gym for it, Ryan. It went to overtime, and oh, what what a game. It was just one of those classic, gritty, hard-fought, going-to-war-against-the-other-team type of games, and it was extremely physical. And Superior was the team that ended up prevailing, almost squandered a halftime lead. And unfortunately for the Eagles, who were 0-3, they moved to 0-4. What were your thoughts on this one? Give me your full breakdown. Yeah, they had some tight competitive games last season, Wyatt. We were questioning, are we going to get the same this year, at least in the opener, when Northwestern was so, so desperate for a win. But on the other side, Superior as well. I mean, we talked about it last week. They coming in at 1-2 and in UMAC play, the Eagles 0-3. Here's the good news for Northwestern, even though you didn't win. The effort was there, unlike we've seen in multiple weeks for the Eagles. You're down, you're starting point guard, J-Peth, Nyamari, but that did not deter the rest of the guys. You have Lavelle play a bigger role, even though I know he was not good at all from the field. He was present, even though 9-6 and six is not going to jump off the screen. We'll talk about him more in a little bit for what he did on Saturday. But, Wyatt, if I told you before this ballgame the Eagles are going to be plus 19 on the glass in this ballgame, 44-25 to 25 out-rebound the Jackets, I would say they're going to win. I, I don't know if you would as well, but against a team that good where that's not easy to do, 
and to find a way to still lose where you're able to get this thing into overtime and then eventually down the stretch the Jackets have just enough. We're going to talk about what they did on Saturday as well in a little bit, but this was the start of a weekend where it was just find a way for Superior, even when it doesn't always look pretty. You find a way to win these gritted out tight games. You lean on your experience. You put the ball in the hands of Javon Walker. You say let him go, and you mentioned it multiple times in the ballgame, Wyatt. They had at least one, if not two, long scoring droughts, like one that they had late first half extended more than six minutes where they did not have a made field goal, and you're feeling like the door is open. The door is open. The yeah. door is open. We kept saying that on the broadcast. This is an opening for Northwestern to win this game. It's not going to be easy. They're going to have to earn it. But if they just make, quite honestly, one more open three-point look or two more, they go 6-26 of 26 from deep and had so many grade-A looks that they could not hit, they probably win this ball game. And so... Man, I mean, going to sleep that night, if you're a Northwestern player or coach, that's tough. That was a gut punch because it was there for the taking and they just couldn't take it. No, you're exactly right. Javon Walker shoots 5 of 19 from the field. Really a poor day for him, all things considered. I mean, a quiet day for him is 16 points. He still gets to the free throw line eight times and is able to hit some shots down the stretch. But, yeah, all in all, they held him in check. He was in foul trouble for portions of this game. And then the thing that really sticks out, though, is, you know, the the absence of Jane Iamari, who did not play this weekend for Northwestern. And in this game in particular, Ryan, if you remember, T.J. Moberg had two steals late in this one where he picked yeah. the Eagles guards. And you just wonder if Iamari's in and he's running the show if that happens. I don't know. Yeah, Something And is that the than... one extra thing they would have needed to win? I said one or two could more three-point looks. It could just be Jay playing, period. And again, they got good production off the bench, like Kelton Vincent, for instance, who maybe took some of the minutes for Naimari. He hit a three in this game, had five points, played 18 minutes. So it's not like they didn't get production from their reserves, but having Jay Naimari, that's just a complete difference maker in this one. Yeah, I, I just, the, the things that stick out to me is for Northwestern, losing a game after you rebound plus 19 just i i can't even wrap my head around that that's something that's got to be itching and just eating at this coaching staff and then just not being able to make shots i mean jeremiah lavelle was one for 10 in this game i'm sure he'd like to have a few back micah posternich one for seven from deep the one he hit was huge he was 0 for six when he actually hit his first one late in the game so credit to him for being able to knock it down but yeah, a lot of good looks, and they just, for whatever reason, could not knock them down. It's kind of been an opposite. We've been concerned about their defense for so long, and now the offense is the one that let them down. So can they start playing good offense and good defense at the same time? That's kind of the question for Northwestern. So there you go. All yeah, right. we, we can talk more about these teams on, on Saturday results for sure. Well, we're going right there now. Um well, I don't know. Why don't we start Northwestern and Northland? Let's just stay in the Erickson Center since we watched that one too, and then we'll move on to the other ones. They win 84-66, pull away in the second half. Northland hit a ton of threes to start the second half. Jordan Brennan had a big game, but overall this was a mismatch. Northwestern had enough depth, and they were able to get it done. What stood out to you about this one coming off of that hard loss against Superior? Floodgates open from deep. I mean, we just talked about how bad they were Friday night and how – just when you need the offense to continue what it's done during their losing streak. You just said it, Wyatt. The defense is there. The effort was there Friday night, but they couldn't win. 
Now it started to come together. Was it a perfect performance? No, but the Eagles shoot it 13-24 from deep, a career day for Jeremiah Lavelle. The Eagles hope they have more from him because he's going to have to play really, really good, especially against the best teams moving on later on this season. If the Eagles want to even get themselves back in the true conversation of making the UMAC tournament, he leads the way with 26, and Northwestern as a team just shoots the ball really well. A game that was interesting for stretches for sure, I mean, especially at recess, this thing was very much up in the air, but you mentioned it earlier, Northland just doesn't have much outside of their guards, and you hope they can get it going, but if they have a team score 80-plus against them on the road, it's going to be really tough for them to win, and it's a game Northwestern had to have, Wyatt. We've said that the last few games, but, I mean, they finally got one, and they were desperate again. We kept saying it when they're 0-2 against North Central, when they're 0-3 going into the matchup against Superior, and then 0-4 going into this one, so they got one. So now the question is, what they did what do they do after this a really tough weekend ahead coming for Northwestern on the road that we'll talk about in a moment but you know you're encouraged by it Naimari's still out unfortunately for Northwestern but they got one that's about all I can say they got one that's that's really what it comes down to is they just needed a win it doesn't matter how they do it they just had to get it and they were able to do that would you still agree we've talked about this and said Northland is the best winless team in division three basketball I think it's a fair statement still yeah, I agree. They're a roller coaster ride. They have good moments early yeah. on in the second half. You mentioned it. Jordan Brennan was absolutely feeling it. Lindbergh has flashes as well for this team. And then you think there's something in Langston Flowers, and I'm still perplexed at somehow from game to game where he just doesn't show much and then he can get hot all of a sudden. But yeah. yeah, I mean, first year head coach, Wyatt, not much on the block. They have talent. It's just not really working to bring it all together. And it's a team that right now it's really tough to piece together 40 minutes. They have about. 18, 19 minutes of good basketball, and then the rest of it, you're just scratching your head and saying, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I still do think a win or two is coming for that team as the season moves along, as long as they stick with it and keep grinding it out. Okay, next one, uh, Morris over Martin Luther, 104-59. to This one was basically in hand right from the get-go. There was no issue here for the Cougars. And again, like I said, Paul Dack, 8 of 10 from the field. They went for 28 in this one. He's the UMAC Player of the Week. And that uh, Jarrett Kujava, Kujava, I guess I don't know how to pronounce it for sure. Let's let's Ku- say it's Kujava. one of those two. Kujava, Kujava you got Jay it. Silent. Yep. 24 for him. So you mentioned Paul Dack needing some help. There it is, Ryan. I mean, is that is that the key to success right there, having another guy or two have big offensive outputs? And then, I don't know, all of a sudden this team is a championship contender. Is that is that the way you kind of look at this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dak and Kuyava combined from deep in this ball game, 11 of 17. Kuyava was 7 of 11 from deep. Wyatt, they broke a single-game program record. Morris was 21 of 35 from deep. You mentioned it in the Bethany game. Maybe if just one or two go down, I guess that's the glass-half-empty way to look at this for Morris fans where you're saying, ah, could we not have just done this a little bit against Bethany now? The floodgates have opened, kind of like what I said for Northwestern a few minutes ago. That's what it felt like for Morris on Saturday. So shout out to them, and, you know, they hope they can parlay this moving forward. But they have it in them. Okay, we know that. There is an ability to support Paul Dack where he is not the only guy they're looking to night in, night out. It was a program record, by the way, 21 threes that were knocked down for Morris in this one. So congrats to them on that. And then Martin Luther, yeah, I mean – their win over Northwestern, I mean, I'll just say this. It's a good thing they got that one because I'm not sure there's going to be many more on the schedule with what they're up against here as these teams continue to get better. It almost seems like they're going backwards right now. So hopefully they can kind of right the ship and 
Get back in the win column, but not looking great right now for the Knights. Our last two from Saturday, I think we'll wait for the showdown that we had talked about, but this one was just as good. Superior at North Central, and Superior comes right down to the wire. Again, they won their two games this week by a combined total of three points. They beat Northwestern by two, then they win this one over North Central by one, 68-67. Ryan, thoughts on this one because i do believe you took north central in this game in our predictions i did and i don't regret it i mean i know i got multiple picks wrong this weekend and saturday especially wasn't kind to me when you combine the two but hey i mean they were right in this ball game down the stretch coach becker finds a way with their nitty-gritty guys who just i don't know how to describe it I and mean, when we talked about it last week why the kind of guys that you can tell he's trying to recruit into this program and how they play for one another one another excuse me even when it doesn't always look pretty kind of reminds us of superior in some ways and you felt that in this ball game and you have it tied up and you have a timeout coming out of the timeout and you get a little bit of room for Remy Wedgworth Brown and not an easy look but one that he'd like to have back at the 10 that he can't make superior gets the rebound ticking to just under 10 seconds to go and there was no question they weren't going to call a timeout tie ball game find 55 Javon Walker let him go and I'll just say this to you Rams fans Eagle fans feel your pain because they had something similar happen to them last year in the Erickson Center Tanner Holtman trying to jump straight up with Javon Walker I watched it back. I, I didn't see a lot of contact. I didn't get a replay. I couldn't slow it down. I only saw it one time, to be honest with you. But for Jacket and Rams fans, I mean, put everything aside. Lots of times that'll go uncalled. It was the same thing last year in the Erickson Center when Superior was down by one against Northwestern, under 10 seconds left, and Javon tries to go coast to coast. And lots of times that one wasn't called either, and it got called that day, and it got called on Saturday again at Downtown U. And give a ton of credit. Don't get me wrong, Jacket fans. Give a ton of credit for 55 and white in that ball game because Jackets were wearing white on a Saturday. We don't need to get into that. But Javon Walker, you know what he's going to do. He's so good at trying to initiate contact and get the foul call in that moment. To put the officials in a position, excuse me, where they have to make a decision, he goes to the line this time in a tie ball game, not down by one, misses the first, but then makes the second, and they survive. And for Superior White, it's not always pretty, but they find a way, and I can guarantee you that was one fun, loud, rowdy bus ride for the Jackets heading back across the border after beating Northwestern and North Central. As you mentioned it, by almost the slimmest of margins, three points in two combined games. Wyatt, what's the saying in sports that we hear so often? They don't ask how. They ask how many, and there were two etches in the left column this weekend for the jackets games they had to have can you imagine if they had lost both of these and all of a sudden you're sitting at one in four it's kind of like crown on the women's side right they they didn't get the results that superiors men's team did and that's the difference between one and four and three and two which goes a long way so it looks like he missed the first free throw too and then he was able to hit Correct. the second one yep. so to be able to gather yourself even after that i mean give give walker to credit to you know calm himself down and be able to at least hit that one and give them the win in regulation you almost would you agree you almost have to be willing to try and take a charge in that spot because of how good walker is at initiating contact you almost have to welcome it and then take the charge i feel like because otherwise how are you going to stop him because he is going to draw contact and you're going to get a foul on you or he's going to make the layup right i mean how do you defend it that's tough um i mean off 
off a missed shot for North Central again. They didn't call a timeout. They're just rushing it up the floor real, real quick. Excuse me. And I'll be real honest. I mean, I was in the building last year when they called it against Northwestern and then saw multiple, multiple slow motion replays of it. I didn't get that ability this time. I watched it back after the fact and didn't see any replay. I just think straight up why both of them shouldn't be called. There's next to no contact, and he's coming down like a freight train. In an ideal world, you set up and you take a charge. But I'd like to see throughout the rest of the game how many times is that called. And again, I give all the credit in the world to Javon, and he doesn't have to apologize for doing what he does, drawing even the slightest of contacts and going to the line where he has to at least make one free throw. But I'm sure there was a lot of Rams fans who were upset, Coach Becker and his staff, where it ends that way. But, you know, they can look on the other end too and say, hey, we were coming out of a timeout and we had a chance to get a look at the tin ourselves to take the lead and we couldn't. So you leave the door open for that kind of a thing to happen. But I don't know. I, I just, as a basketball fan, period, trying to put all the allegiances or anything, rooting interests aside, like I just think both of those plays the last two years could have easily gone the other way where they don't get a call. And the Jackets, you know, they're able to knock down the free throws when it matters most. And if you're Coach Polkowski and his staff, they may even think there wasn't enough contact, but they did the exact right thing. They know in that moment, all the players know in that moment, get it to 55 and let him go. And we will live with the result after that. So give them credit, Wyatt, where there's no doubt about what they're doing in the game. I'll shut up with that. Jacket fans don't have to apologize. They did what you're supposed to in that spot. Get the ball to the rim and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. No question. Um, then the game of the week on or the weekend, I should say, on the men's side, Bethany and Crown, two unbeatens, both four and oh. Oh, pack the whack. What an atmosphere it was. And uh just two, two really, really good basketball teams going at it, and two really good teams, as our guy PJ Fleck would say, that left that court, regardless of the result. There was two two good teams going into it, good two good teams that were gonna leave. But Bethany leaves with the win. I know you have your thoughts on this one. I know you picked Crown in this spot, and you told me you also don't have regrets about that as well. Tell us why. Well, again, they didn't shoot it good from three. Um, I give a ton of credit. We talked about it going into this matchup. I joked how much sleep is Coach Garvin and his assistants for that matter. How much sleep are they going to lose Friday night going into Saturday, trying to cram, because you got to win the game at Morris first, and clearly that was tight down the stretch, but uh, trying to cram for how to stop Cade Carroll. In two games last year where they didn't close to do it, Wyatt. I mean, he went off in two games. They survived and won at home in that one in double overtime, and then they lost at Crown last year. To hold him to 10 points where he scores six, no, eight points, my apologies, in a two-minute stretch in the first half, and he's really not even a factor for the most part in the second half. And I saw about the last six minutes of this game after we wrapped up at the Erickson Center. I mean, he was next to not a factor, period, Wyatt, where he was just totally taken out of anything in the half court. And now, you know, Crown, you can say on the other side, and Coach Herbert and his staff did a great job a few times out of timeouts, drawn up plays to get someone open. I mean, I think about the Buckner three that they had top of the key where he's only made one or two, I think, so far before that shot in the season for how many threes total Buckner's made. It's the only one he attempted in the game. He hit it. I mean, he was awesome. 22 points in 23 minutes. Without him, they're not in this ball game. But I, it just starts there for me, where Cade, you could argue, is at the top, if not near the top, for player of the year conversation right now in the UMAC. Bethany on the road holds the guy to 10 points, and he never left the floor. And he was not a factor down the stretch really at all. Other guys step up for crown. Their defense steps up again like it did against Morris last week for them to pick up that win when their offense wasn't playing great. 
But Bethany down the stretch, I mean, X was awesome. Some free throws, he made a huge three. And then Bangu in this ball game as well. Didn't light it up like we've seen a few times, but he hit a massive, massive three as well. And they do just enough to piece it together, and that's the sign of a good team, Wyatt, or this weekend. We know how good Bethany's offense can be. We talked about it last week. It's not going to be as easy as it can tend to be sometimes for them at the North Gym where they're oh so tough to beat. But you really get tested as a good team, even when you get a Sagadol coming back. Go on the road to Morris and then go to St. Bonnie the next day. And oh, by the way, in both games, you're not going to hit 80, even though your offense can be so good. You've asked it early this season, Wyatt. Can Bethany take it to that next level by winning games with their defense? They did just that this weekend to stay unbeaten in UMAC play yeah Bethany makes winning plays and they did it here in this one congrats to the Vikings huge huge win that separates themselves as the only undefeated team remaining in UMAC play not just on the men's side but on the women's side as well they're the only unbeaten team left and again it starts and ends with Cade Carroll holding him to 10 points they had a good game plan in place and they said we're not letting this guy beat us here today if the supporting cast does we'll we'll live with it and tip our cap but one of those games that was just uh, a lot of fun I'm sure to be a part of and be at and to just kind of soak it all in and uh, it's going to be fun when those two teams square off again in Mankato that's for sure Uh, not a whole lot else I'll add on that one Ryan I guess like you said I was kind of the beneficiary of a couple of close games this week on the prediction side of things that went my way Uh, I'm not going to apologize for that. I'll take the wins and uh, move forward. So Bethany was another one of those over Crown. And we can kind of just move forward now here into this upcoming weekend, if you want, and uh, the full slate that we have to predict. Well, I do got one thing here, Wyatt, to mention. So we I don't know if you saw this. We, We got some updates from some people who were at the WAC this weekend. Did you see this? I did not see this. So so we asked for people to let us know, like, hey, if you're watching in person, like, please let us know what's going on. So we got some random um, tidbits here on Crown that we won't share all these on the podcast. I won't do that right now, but uh, we can talk about some of these off mic, Wyatt. But uh, shout out to Alec Testament. He's tied the Crown record for most games played in a polar career at 101 wow. games after the Bethany wow. game. So a guy who's there for an extra senior year and – finding a way to work on campus to stay there as a graduate student. So he, he loves he loves college and the um, ability of college sports-wide. And you and I never hate on that. Hey, I mean, take advantage of all the time that you have with COVID years and everything else. So the same person who sent this into us said, the vibe on Saturday, and these are, you know, I'm reading these words off exactly. These aren't my words. The vibe on Saturday during the Bethany versus Crown game was ecstatic. Felt like a playoff game and the gym was loud for both sides. Defensive chants filled the gym throughout the entire game, and when each team hit threes, it got real loud. Great environment on a below-zero day. It was freezing outside, but it was hot in the whack. As yeah. we expected. No, that's great. I'm just glad somebody got back to us. Yeah. Let us know. That's great. I agree. Love to hear it. All right. I don't have really anything else on the weekend. I mean, unless you want to talk about men's standings or make any – Grandstanding statements like no one's going to catch Bethany. I mean, this is the best shot you could get from Morris or Crown to beat them on the road, and they passed it, and Sagadol's only going to get better, and they're only going to find more ways to beat you as the season wears along. (laughs) If you want to make some grand statement, go ahead. I will say this. It's going to be tough for anybody to catch Bethany at this point. If if you were giving me the option to take them or the field to win the regular season title, I'd take Bethany right now. Wow, you're turning your back on the team you picked preseason who had such a good weekend they, with two wins. They 
already lost two, though, Ryan. It's just there's no room for error. They would have to play flawless. It's possible. It's certainly possible. But Bethany, I've, I've said it time and time again, Bethany is Bethany. And they should have been more respected from me right from the get-go. That's fair. You've said it before, and uh, you can say it I'll again. That's okay. Yep. Percent chance Northwestern's in the postseason picture. Does anything change based on what you saw this last weekend? Is it still very low? Yeah, it's low. Uh, looking at the standings, they're one and four. They're two games back of multiple teams for that final spot, and they don't own the tiebreaker over any of them at the moment. They'll have a chance to play one of them in Minnesota Morris this upcoming weekend, but I'd say they're around 10% maybe. Yeah, that may even be generous. I agree with you. It's they, still not They have high. two crucial games coming up here this, this weekend where if they're able to get both, all of a sudden that changes things drastically. But if they are to lose both or even split, overcoming that might just be too much. So huge weekend for the Eagles, which we'll get to here a little bit. We will, and look how tough it just was for Bethany, the best team we just talked about in the conference. The Eagles are going to have the same thing. You're going to have to play Morris and Crown. So they're going to have to get, deal with the same thing. Get busy living or get busy dying. <laughs> CC John Rostein. Love it. All right, uh, real quick, Wyatt, let's um, give you some credit for what you were able to do. On the men's side, for fantasy, you had big performances. You beat me on both days. Uh, Javon, obviously, with two good performances. Hunter Nielsen continues to be Mr. Consistent for you. Paul Dak taking over. Wyatt, is he firmly in the conversation for player of the year right now? I mean, with the offensive numbers he's putting up. Absolutely. And depending on how the rest of the season goes, he might get my vote, even though I don't hold a vote. But if I had a vote, (laughs) he'd be right in the conversation. What, What he's doing and just the fact that He's not getting a ton of help. Just makes it that much more impressive. I, I got to say, what he has done has been remarkable this year and certainly worth keeping an eye on moving forward. I mean, he'd probably have my vote right now if the season ended today. What, wow. what would you say? I wouldn't totally say no. I mean, I'd have to maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive, but he's definitely in the conversation. Why you just had two 30-plus point performances for Buckner, He's and this is fantasy where you combine everything, but he's had three 30-plus point performances in five games this year. I mean, that's a steal yeah. for a fourth-round pick. He has been playing really well in then some. And then you got you know some other points sprinkled about in the big news for your team. Drew Sagadol, your seventh-round pick, is back in the future. Possibility to help out your team, and uh, I think he's going to be scoring more than he did this weekend. Looking forward, uh, my guy's got to be better. I've said that before. Fambula's got to be better. He knows that. Um, he's aware of that, and he's going to try to be better moving forward. Naimari hopefully going to be back soon for Northwestern, but uh, he may be out for a little longer. We'll have to wait and see. And, uh, yeah, just just need more from guys, and uh, Cade will do better. I have no doubts that Cade Carroll will bounce back moving forward, and we'll get more from guys like Kenny Placide as well. So we're not panicking at this point. Still hold a lead, but... It's gotten real interesting wide on the men's side, especially because I now have a guy out and you have Drew Sagadol back. Yeah, I mean, losing Nayamari is is the big thing and the A topic, if you will, when you look at our fantasy performances. So we'll uh, see what ends up happening with that. But I, I guess I'm in position. I'm not getting my hopes up too much. You're but in we'll position. You're in position to be in position. Uh, to quote your guy, oh, Rusty. Yeah, once more. I love that. So you were perfect 4-0 on Friday night on the men's side. 
I was as well. You were perfect 4-0 Saturday as well, Wyatt. You did not drop a game. You got 8 for 8 on the men's side. I lost 2. I had Crown beating Bethany. That one hurt. I had North Central beating Superior. That one hurt. said it before. I'll say it again. I stand by all my picks. I regret nothing. It just barely at the wire in multiple games. Didn't go my way, but that's okay. You're up 3, 29-9. So far, I am 26-12. and 12. See if I can continue with it here this upcoming weekend. Let's jump into it. You lead, I'll follow. Am I leading? Okay. Well, you don't have to. I mean, if you don't want to, I can, but I'm giving you the opportunity to do so. And how about this? You can choose if you want me to pick first on the women's side or the men's side. Okay, I like that. I will pick first on the men's side, so you can go first on the women's side, but I can read off matchups if you would like me to. Yeah, you tell us where where you want us to go. Okay, so we got games... Full slate, we hope. We're going to pick as if that. And a reminder, we picked the games with uh, Northwestern and Northland facing off and then uh, North Central and Northland facing off. And those did not happen, but they're getting rescheduled. So those picks are already locked and loaded, and we will update accordingly as we move forward. But Friday night, the 19th, Wyatt, on the woman's side of the coin. Let's start across the border because this weekend there will actually be games played in Wisconsin, unlike this past weekend. So... Assuming Northland College is back on the floor, and we hope they are, and everything with that program gets squared away. I know it's not easy times right now for Lumberjills basketball, but assuming they're back on the floor and playing Wyatt, they host Martin Luther out in the Kendrigan Center in Ashland, Wisconsin, Friday night. So I have to pick first on these ones. I will go with Martin Luther. I thought you were going to pick first on the men's side. I say you go first on the men's side. I'll go second on the oh, men's side. Oh, okay. Sorry. I had yeah. it confused. I had it mixed up. I'll go You're first. Going Martin Luther? I'm going Martin Luther. Good yeah. last weekend. You mentioned, I mean, good week in a ball for them, even though they lost one game. And I think they continue that into uh, Friday night. Yeah, it's a good spot for them, too. I mean, we don't know everything that's going on with the Northland program. But until we have more details and until they actually win a game, I'll just be picking against them moving forward. I'll just make that very clear. So I'll take Martin Luther in this one as well. Let's stay across the border. Bethany Lutheran at UW-Superior. Jackets coming off their first loss in conference play will be their last game that they took part in against North Central this past Saturday. Wyatt, the question is, do they get a bounce back against Bethany Lutheran at home? I say they will. This one could be interesting. I mean, Bethany has potential. We've seen that so far this year, and the Vikings are seeing an opportunity where if they somehow find a way to go in the Mertz and win this game, they both would be 4-2. and two. So tons on the line in this ball game to open up the weekend at the Mertz, but I have the Jackets. What say you? Yeah, I think Bethany pushes Superior in this game, but I do think the Yellow Jackets get over the top a little too much, whether it's inside or Bessenden having another good game. They're also on their home court. I think Superior's awake now that they lost that first game. Not that they weren't awake, but they'll be even more ready for this one in this weekend. Give me the Yellow Jackets. All right, let's go back into the land of 10,000 Lakes, state of Minnesota. Let's go out west to Crown College, hosting Northwestern, who goes 0-1 on the weekend, and they have a long time, Wyatt, to stew on the disappointment from last Friday night against the Jackets. Their opportunity to get back in the win column and get back above 500 will come at the WAC Friday night, 5.30 start against the Polars. And another home game for Crown, another opportunity. But for them, it's almost a different feeling. Even though both teams are coming off of a loss, Crown is saying, can we please not go to overtime, I guess? Because bad things happen in overtime. Can we please just win in regulation? I don't think it'll go to overtime, Wyatt. 
but I also don't think Crown's going to win the ball game. I think Northwestern wins this one, and I think they win by double digits over the Polars in this ball game. What say you? Yeah, I don't think there's any question they're going to win this one, and I think it'll be a blowout as well. It's a tough spot for Crown. We talked about the heartbreak that they just had this past weekend, and now you got to get ready for Northwestern, who, like you said, went 0-1. They're rested, they're ready, and they need an elite performance and an elite weekend, and I think they'll get it, and they'll take down the Polars. Really, really tough spot for Crown here, and uh, expect the Eagles to bounce back big. I left this one for last because I think it'll be the best game on Friday night in the UMAC. You can disagree with me if you want, but it's North Central at Minnesota Morris. Big, big game. Two clubs with just one loss so far in conference play. North Central's played one last game because of what's going on with Northland and not playing last Friday night. But nonetheless, Cougars 4-1, and one, North Central 3-1. and one. Two teams who are always used to being in the UMAC tournament-wide over the last chunk of years. They played a few years ago in the UMAC final where North Central came out on top. This should be a really, really good ball game. For a Morris team who's coming off a good weekend where they pick up two big home wins, they now got to go stay at home. I was going to say back on the road. Obviously, they're not going on the road. They're staying home. Is that the difference is what many people are asking against a North Central club coming off of a huge win against UW-Superior. I'm going to say that is the difference for Morris to win. I think it's close, but I think they can do enough to defend the bigs that you mentioned for North Central where they have Caitlin Ryan, Caitlin Vanderplug, and Kayla Hola all playing really good basketball right now. If they can shut them down enough, I feel like Morris can compete on the perimeter with the likes of Quate and Grove. I like Morris to win this game. I think it's within five or less, though. Really good ball game, but I'm going to take the Cougars. Yeah, it might not be a flashy win. It might not be a lot of flashy plays that are made, but Morris is going to win this game on their home court, continue trending in the right direction. I do think North Central provides some challenges, especially inside like we talked about. I think that's why they had success against Superior. But I do think Morris gets yet another win, and they just keep on climbing forward and upward. I I think this is a team that has a chance to do something really really special this upcoming weekend and it starts on friday night against north central before they get ready for their showdown with northwestern on saturday and you better believe that superior is going to be keeping their eyes on uh, this one out in morris because a lot is on the line here this weekend all righty we are through with friday night ball games we'll flip over to saturday and then we'll go back over to friday on the men's side once we get to that point all right Superior, you and I both believe, are going to be coming off of a win Friday night against Bethany. We believe that Martin Luther College will also be coming off of a win at Northland College on Friday night. So two teams who could be feeling good coming into the Mertz Saturday afternoon. Question is, can the Jackets pick up their sixth win in UMAC play and move up to 6-1 and one on the season? I think they can, but this is one where they cannot overlook Martin Luther coming off of a game where I think Martin Luther is going to have a convincing win. Against Northland, they won't be totally beat up. They'll be feeling like this is our chance to sprint an upset. Maybe Superior is looking ahead a little bit. They're not as focused as they should be. I feel like Superior, though, pulls away in the second half, and they beat Martin Luther, and they finish the weekend 6-1 and one in UMAC play. You're right. As long as they don't overlook Martin Luther, they'll win this game. They're the better team. They have more talent. They're going to have a good game plan in place. And like you said, they know they have an opportunity to get to 6-1 and one in conference play, assuming they take care of business on Friday night against Bethany. Give me the Yellow Jackets in this one. Easy enough. We'll keep moving it forward. 
Let's stay across the border. Bethany, we feel like, is going to be coming off of a loss against Superior. They go at Northland College for their last game of the weekend. This is an opportunity for Bethany to not fall underneath 500 and to get back up above 500. We feel like they're going to be 3-3 three and three coming in. I agree with you, Wyatt. I'm not going to pick against um, any team going against Northland, just to be honest, moving forward until we know more about what's going on with their situation. But limited options for them and uh, last time we saw them on the floor they only had five players who were able to play so that's going to be tough for any team I think Bethany gets a bounce back and they have a uh, one in one weekend after beating the Lumberjills yeah I'll take Bethany as well and just think of this Ryan if they do somehow stun superior let's say on Friday night all of a sudden this game against Northland is for them to get to five and two if you're five and two at the halfway point You'd be feeling really good about your UMAC playoff chances. So a lot ahead here for this Bethany team. At the very least, they got to get one of these this weekend. This is the better one to get at Northland. They should handle their business. I would agree. All right, we will move to the last two remaining contests. We will go back into the state of Minnesota, back into the WAC. Can Crown find a way, White, to get off the schneid? You and I both believe they will be 1-5 coming into this contest. We believe that they'll both be coming off of losses, that being North Central, playing Crown in their building at the WAC. We feel like they're going to be coming in at 3-2, and two, so the question is who gets a bounce back. I believe it'll be North Central, and last weekend's just going to continue to be a weekend that Crown looks back on and says, what could have been? I feel like emotionally it's a tough hurdle to get back at it this weekend, hosting Northwestern and then following with North Central. Not at all. Two easy teams to handle coming into your own building. They're happy that they're staying at home, but I feel like North Central gets the win. Coach Zabla against her former team from a few years ago, a place she's very familiar with. I feel like they win, and it ends up being by 15-plus. Could be tight at halftime, but they pull away in the second half. It'd have to be one of those deals, and we say this every time, I feel like, with Crown. They're going to have to shoot well. They're going to have to shoot the lights out. Can Latsky get back burger. on track? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and I take I'm not it. sure not sure that's going to be able to happen. So uh, give me North Central, and that's that's really all I have to say about it. All righty, Wyatt. You know what that means. we got one game left. I know which one it is, too. In that, big, in that big gym. The it's biggest, the biggest one, one of the weekend. In the biggest gym. Out in Morris. You and I believe coming in, Northwestern will be 3-2 and two against the 5-1 and one Minnesota Morris Cougars. On a roll at home, they'll be winners of their last four games coming in, we believe. Northwestern will be coming off of a win, but a real tall test at Minnesota Morris. You know, you get beat at home, and that hurts Wyatt this past weekend against Superior, but this is where you're really tested as Northwestern. You've already dropped two games early on in conference play. You're trying to defend your UMAC regular season and then eventually postseason tournament title, but first things first, you just got to pick up wins to get in to the dance period. If they want any chance to once more be the number one seed and win the regular season title before I make my pick, do you believe that this is a game the Eagles have to win when you and I are looking at it thinking the Jackets are going to go undefeated this coming weekend and Morris would pick up two wins as well if you don't win this game? Can the Eagles afford to lose this game if they are going to once again win the UMAC regular season title? I mean, theoretically, statistically, from a number standpoint, could it happen? Yes, if they were to lose, they could still win the regular season title. I think if they were to lose this game, 
I don't think they would. So I do think there is that much on the line when they play this one, especially knowing the teams you would have to catch. Again, it could happen from a number standpoint, but the chances are just so, so much more insignificant versus if you win this game. So uh, certainly a lot to play for, and I, I think that'll certainly be a sense of urgency that Coach Call has for his girls here this weekend. I agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. They will have that sense of urgency coming in. It's not going to be easy, but I feel like the Eagles' perimeter defenders can do enough to slow down Maddie Grove and then find a way to take care of the basketball enough. I like how the Eagles took care of the basketball, even though they lost the game against the Jackets this last Friday. If they can be in that range of 15 turnovers or under, I feel like they're winning this ballgame against Morris. That's going to be the key. Hold Grove down enough for Morris offensively, you take care of the basketball, and there's going to be enough possessions for Northwestern to outscore Morris on the road. This is a single-digit game, but the Eagles do win, and they do the best they can to remind the rest of the conference we're not going to give up that mantle easy. It may only be a January game, but there is tons at stake in this one, and Northwestern reminds some people that it's still going to take some work to remove them from that conversation of repeating. Yeah, I, uh, to be honest, my answer that I gave you kind of plays into who I'm picking. I'm going to take Northwestern because I don't see them being out of the picture for winning the regular season title before we even hit February. And that's kind of what would happen in a sense if they lose this game. I just don't see that happening. As much as I like my guy, Coach Grove, and I like this Morris team, it's going to be really tough to beat an Eagles team that's hungry and ready to go. If anything, as weird as this sounds, I think Morris would have a better chance of beating them the second time around after they've gotten a chance to play them once and they can get a game plan in place the second time. I don't know. I just I, I think it's going to be really tough for Morris to win this game, even though they are home. And so I'll take Northwestern. I think they're the more desperate team. And as we've talked about before, Ryan, that's a dangerous thing. And it's really tough to beat a desperate team. And Northwestern is going to make a statement and make that race up at the top even more tighter as we hit the second half of the season. Yeah, should be a great game, though. I mean, would you say this is the game of the weekend? Oh, absolutely. On the women's side? Okay. Absolutely. I don't think there's any question. And I think if you look at it from Morris' standpoint, like I said, they have a chance to do something really special. Both their games this weekend, just tremendous matchups. And if you had to pick one gym to be at on the women's side, it would be Minnesota-Morris for sure. Probably, actually, to be honest, on both sides. That's fair. And we're uh, speaking of both sides. We're going to flip over to the other side unless you have – Anything else to mention, White? I will let you lead us on the men's side and make the first selections. Yeah, I don't have anything else really to mention. Should be a fun full slate of games this weekend, though, with a lot on the line. As far as the men's side goes, let's start Friday night, and let's do how about Martin Luther at Northland? What a matchup, Ryan. A chance for Northland to get that first win. Can their O disappear? And for Martin Luther, a chance to feel better about yourselves, play better basketball, and get a win. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the Northland Lumberjacks to get their first win of the 2023-2024 season. They will no longer be the best winless team in all of Division Three. Not many spots I can say this left in the season. I'm going to say it with confidence. My Knights, Martin Luther wins <laughs> Friday night. Northland is still looking for their first win. Fascinating game, though. Very fast. Yeah, should be a good one. I mean, get out to the Kendrigan Center. Should be a tight ball game. Let's do North Central at Minnesota Morris. 
I feel like this is going to be a slugfest, a grind defensively. We've seen Morris play really good defense this year, and I think that'll need to continue. And obviously, you know what you're getting from Coach Becker's team when it comes to defense. Man, this is a tough one. It's kind of a toss-up. Could go either way. I'll take Minnesota Morris in a tight one, a very, very tight one. I give them the edge at home. Both these teams, remember, 3-2 and two in conference play. This is a huge swing game because only four teams can make postseason, and you would assume right now with the way Bethany Crown are playing, they're going to be there. You would assume Superior is starting to turn things around. They're another team. All of a sudden, this very well is the kind of game that could decide if you're the four-seater on the outside looking in. I do think Morris and Paul Dack have enough to get it done at home. Give me the Cougars. Yeah, an eight and seven point win last season for Morris against North Central. I expect it to be tight. I agree with you, a slugfest. I like you mentioning Morris's defense potentially being the difference in this game. Big reason I picked North Central last week to beat Superior is the success they had against them a year before. And I know there are some different guys on, you know, both sides that we're talking about in these matchups, and especially, you know, no more Micah Filer for a team like North Central. So it does look different, but I'm going to go with Morris as well on their home floor. I think that could potentially be the difference in this ball game. And, yeah, the question is, if Paul Dack is scoring 20-plus, 25-plus, can they get another guy or two in double figures? I'm looking at you, 2-1, big ticket, KP, whatever you want to call him. I need more from you this weekend. He knows he's got to be better. I believe he will be better this weekend at home, and it starts Friday night against NCU. To do Northwestern at Crown as the next one. Crown, two more home games this weekend, two big opportunities ahead of them. Coming off of that loss, their first conference loss of the year, I think Cade Carroll gets it going again. It does look like Northwestern's defense has improved, but how much is the question, and will it be enough, and do they have enough offensively? Jane Iamari's status is up in the air, obviously, since he didn't play last weekend, and we don't know for sure what it is exactly, so... Yeah, give me Crown with the uncertainty with Northwestern and just the ability for Crown to fill it up at times. I, I think Cade Carroll bounces back, I think, on their home court. I trust the Polders a lot more than I trust the Eagles right now, so I'll take Crown. It's the Baney Bowl, Wyatt. It is. This is probably, I don't know, I wonder if their parents love this matchup or they don't like it because they get to watch both of their kids play. But at the same time, it's the deal of does one of them wear a Northwestern jersey yeah. and does the other wear a crown? Like, who do they cheer for? I, I was going to I was gonna ask you that. I mean, if they were forced to answer, because they never would, but if they were forced to answer only one team you can be cheering for tonight, who are you cheering for? Is it Northwestern because it's younger brother and he may have a bigger role in this game, especially if Naimari isn't playing and the Eagles need the win more than crown does? Or are they saying, you know what, no. Sorry, Parker, but this is Carter's year with the Polars, and I mean, with all the guys that they have playing one last season, they're on their home floor. Sorry, but it's just not Northwestern's year, and Parker's still going to have a few more years at UNW, so we're cheering for the Polars. I mean, how do they handle this? I bet they would probably just say, we're cheering for those two to have good games, (laughs) and they'd probably just leave it at that, if we're being honest. Yep, but if deep down they had to answer, yeah, that would be the the million-dollar question. You know, if I'm Northwestern, Coach Girls and his assistants, I'm looking a lot at that film from Saturday against Bethany and trying to figure out, is there a way that they defended Cade that we can try to replicate? Easier said than done. I mean, a guy like 2K10 that you'd put on him in the past, Kyle Kamink, to try to slow him down, no longer around. And do you have a guy like a Mason Ackley and then the other 
forwards and bigs that Bethany can throw at him that Northwestern could on the other side. I don't know if it's a guy like Hoyleen or if you try to put Fambola on him to move around with him, especially if he's on the perimeter. How do you handle that? I don't know if you're Northwestern, but I'm sure they're looking at that film. That's a question for me and two teams wide who struggled shooting it from deep. So is this a ball game where we see both teams not shoot it well from deep and it's a matter of who takes better care of the basketball and things like the battle on the boards being headlined and who can do more at the free throw line that wins this game? Or is this one where Crown breaks it out and Northwestern can't defend at the level that they did at times last weekend, even though it wasn't enough against Superior? I'm going to go with Crown. There just feels like there's too many unknowns with Northwestern, especially if a guy like Nyamari still isn't able to return. I feel like that's a big, big deal for Northwestern if he is still out of the lineup. And I feel like Crown's just going to honestly shoot it better than they did on Saturday. I know Bethany's, you know, a really good team and give credit to them for what they did defensively, but I'd be shocked, Wyatt, if Carroll is again near the 10-point mark against Northwestern on Friday night. Yeah, no, I don't, uh, as I like to say, no lies detected in uh, that statement. And I just think Crown is the more complete team. So we'll uh, see how that one goes. It's a very compelling game, but I would argue it's not the most compelling game of the night because you've got Bethany going at Superior, Ryan. Now, you had just said, I turned my back on Superior. I would take Bethany over the field. And you're telling me, you know, what? why, why? Well, it's because Bethany continues to show they can beat you in a number of ways. They're so balanced. They can defend. They can score at will. They have the size inside. I still think Nielsen and Ackley are unlike anybody else in this conference. Can the Jays do enough for the Yellow Jackets on their home court to win this game? Can Javon Walker create enough off the bounce? Can other guys step in and knock down shots? And can they somewhat pull off a minor upset here against Bethany at home? I'll say no. I'll take the Vikings doesn't doesn't uh it, it hurts me it's not what i wanted to do and i probably would have took superior at the beginning of the year but again with the way bethany's playing it's one of those deals until they lose it's going to be really tough for me to pick against them there's nowhere else to really look if you're bethany this is the game you're focused on you've got northland the next day i just think they'll be locked in ready to go and superior is just going to have a tough time keeping up with the scoring of this vikings team so Give me Bethany Lutheran. Wouldn't shock me if Superior wins. I mean, if we look at the box score and they have more points at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not going to be stunned, but I, I do think Bethany's the better team and they're the choice here. I thought you were setting all that up to say I'm picking Superior. There was I no was sure, ho- there I was was sure no hoping but. you were going to say that. Oh, yeah, that pains there was, me. There, there was no but, sorry. You feel like almost the luck runs out wide. Not that it was lucky with the two wins last week, but I mean a bounce here, a bounce there, a shot made here and there by Northwestern or North Central down the stretch. It could have been two losses. I mean, if it's another tight game down the stretch, could they possibly pull it out again? I don't know. I mean, these are all hypothetical rhetorical questions. I was going Bethany the whole way, and I think it's by 5+. plus Because I feel like Superior is still trying to figure some things out. I agree with you. I mean, I... You know, I'm not going to add much because you basically laid it all out there. I wouldn't be surprised if Superior does win rematch from last year's UMAC final, but uh, I feel like Bethany does win, and it's huge to have Segadol back, and I'm interested to see if he is coming off the bench, how much of a role he has to play in this game, but I got Bethany. Should be a fun one. Like we said, it's the most compelling game of the night on the men's side for sure, if not all weekend. All right, on Saturday, let's stay with Bethany at Northland. Like I said, they don't have anywhere to look because they've got Northland the next day. If Northland's coming off of their first win, 
they're going to be excited. They're going to be pumped up. If they lost, then they're still winless. And I just, regardless of what happens on Friday, I don't see how they beat Bethany on Saturday. And I think the Vikings roll in this one as well. And uh, they'll be 7-0 and at the halfway point. Yeah, I agree. I got next to nothing to add. They're going to roll. Yep. And then Superior hosts Martin Luther. And I think we both can probably say confidently Superior will win this one. Again, regardless of what happens Friday night, it's another big game for the Yellow Jackets. Every game becomes big when you put yourself in a hole at the beginning of the season like they did. And I, I'm, I'm taking Superior. I'm guessing you would as well. Yep. I have next to nothing to add. I got the Jackets. Now we get to the two games that are interesting. Let's do North Central at Crown. Crown, again, would be just a game back, more than likely, coming into the the weekend recap here against North Central on the back half of the weekend. Uh, it's tough because I uh, part of me wants to say North Central can do it and they can cause enough issues for Crown where they can maybe pull off an upset, but the more I look at the game, I just I don't see how they're going to get enough scoring in a tough environment. And I think Crown wins and they have another really good weekend and they sit at 6-1 and one at the halfway point with a couple of big wins here this weekend over Northwestern and North Central. A tough, tough weekend against two teams. But when you get them at home and you just lost one the weekend before, I think that bodes well for the Polars. Give me Crown to beat North Central. Yeah, what a stretch, White. I mean, Bethany, Northwestern, North Central, back to back to back. They're all in your gym, but nonetheless, I mean, to have those three straight to game plan against, if you're Coach Herbert and his staff and all the Polars, I mean, not easy by any stretch. And obviously, Polar fans listening to this are hoping at the end of it they take two out of three since they've already lost to Bethany. Yeah, it's tough for me. I mean, especially at home to pick against Crown. So I'm going to go with Crown as well. I was going to say I could deviate. I'm behind you a few games. We still got so many games left though, so I'm not going to do it just for that reason. And uh, I feel like it's going to be a painful, painful weekend for North Central, where with five minutes to go, they are in both games at Morris, at Crown, but they cannot find a way down the stretch to win. And they could prove me wrong again. I mean, they've done it before. Here you go, Coach Becker. Here's some bulletin board material. I got you going 0-2 on the weekend, but wouldn't shock me if they win both games either. I think it's going to be razor tight down the stretch just like it was on Saturday against the Jackets. All right, last game, Northwestern at Morris. A big one for both of these teams. Northwestern, I mean, this could be a elimination game in a lot of ways for Northwestern. Can they find a way to do enough and get a win on the road? Morris on the flip side, regardless of what happens on Friday night, it'll be a huge game for them. Very interesting matchup. I don't know. Something tells me Northwestern can win this one, so I'm going to take the Eagles, and I think they just keep a little bit of hope left of making the conference tournament and not missing it by getting an upset win on the road against Morris. They do just enough to win this game. Paul Dack... Another big performance, hopefully, for my sake, but Morris ends up on the losing side. Give me the Northwestern Eagles here on the road. Yeah, I was hoping you'd go the other way. I think Dak's got 25-plus, but I think the Eagles defend the rest, if you will, and I like Northwestern's chances to defend the three, and that's going to be the key for Morris. Can they have a guy like Kuyava find a way to really get it going from downtown, or can they have a guy like Kenny Placide make things happen? I like the Eagles' ability to send Kohler, I mean, who's been really good lately. We haven't mentioned him yet in this recording, but coming off the bench, if Fomble is not having a great night or Hoyleen to send him as well at Placide to try to slow him down, 
I feel like it's backs up against the wall and, you know, Northwestern doesn't have the weekend they want, but they do get one of two and they hope they can get healthier moving forward. And again, we'll see. I don't know if Nymar is going to be available this weekend for Northwestern, but I feel like they do get this one, but it's tight and it's another really compelling ball game where Northwestern just has to play desperate. They got to win the battle on the boards and they got to try to find a way to do just enough, not make mental errors and make big plays down the stretch. And they're going to need a big one from Lavelle Wyatt. I mean, he's going to have to continue to be the guy maybe down the stretch for Northwestern to give them some offense and win some games like this just to keep their season alive. Yeah, a lot of swing games this weekend. No question should be a lot of fun, both on the men's and the women's side. And uh, officially the halfway point of the season once we wrap up on Saturday. So, I don't have much else to add, Ryan. If you want to just uh, close or let our listeners know about anything else, feel free. But, uh, yeah, that's that's really all I got. Yeah, I don't think I've done it yet, which is bad on me because uh, some people have stopped listening a long time ago. But if you'd like to get in touch with us, I always love to hear from you, UAO, the UMAC at gmail.com. If you'd like to find us on Twitter, you can just do at UAO, the UMAC as well. Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, you can uh, send us a direct message. We always have that open too. Just search, unlike any other, the UMAC. And shout out to uh, the fan of the pod who sent in some uh, feedback on what was happening this past Saturday at the WAC. We love stuff like that. So, hey, if you're at the WAC this weekend or if you're out at the Mertz at the Kendrigan Center or if you're out at Morris at Jim Gremmel's Court, any of those sites this weekend, we'd love to hear from you and uh, your experience about watching uh, – this great UMAC basketball in person. So we look forward to what's going to take place from here. Thanks for sticking with us in another long recording. I hope you enjoyed it, uh, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. I will stop rambling along because I'm not going to be able to put my words together soon. So talking college basketball, the best sport there is in a league that is unlike any other.